We are in the middle of discussing the halachas of Rafur and Shabbos. We discussed in the previous year the area of Rafur that is relevant to a choyli kol haguf. A choyli kol haguf, as we discussed, is a, a patient is incapacitated but not life-threatening. And we discussed the different uh, areas of halacha which are relevant to a choyli who is incapacitated. Today we'd like to discuss as best as we can, Pikoach Nefesh. I'll try not to make it squeamish, so uh, we won't go into any gruesome details. We'll just talk about general general uh, scenarios and cases, but rather without going into some gruesome details. But we do need to know some details to understand what's called Pikoach Nefesh, what's not called, not called Pikoach Nefesh. Pikoach Nefesh is the area of that the average person will meet least over Shabbos. The average person doesn't come across the Kohen on a weekly basis, but it's something that in the Hatzalah we come across regularly, weekly, uh, daily, weekly, etc. So for the Hatzalah members, this area of the Hilfah Shabbos is probably the most important. For Adullah, this is, uh, these areas, or the, the, the midwives and the, uh, the birth coaches, this area of Halacha is very, very prevalent. But for the average person, it's not so prevalent. But this is the area that if you don't know it, you can make a mistake. And if you make a mistake, then you could either be Mechal Shabbos unnecessarily or cause a situation of somebody's life to deteriorate, etc., etc., for no, for no reason other than ignorance. And therefore, this is, this is the area of halacha that the Shukhanar tells us it's up, there's an obligation on every person to know it. And there's no excuse for a person not to know Hukhus, the Koch, Nefesh, and Shabbos. Because if you don't get it right, you're either going to be Mechal Shabbos unnecessarily or you're going to be or you're going to be causing the early demise of somebody who you could have saved. Uh, just to give an example of why it's important to know, we had a call in Hatzalah a week ago, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, I don't remember which Shabbos it was, because um, I, I don't listen to them, I've probably listened to them, but I don't remember exactly which week, he, he keeps me updated, but I don't remember which week it was. A woman turns up, uh, from a woman, this is a from a woman, from, from family, turns up and says, I'm not sure if my son's burnt his hand. Um, there's water on the floor, and his hands are red, uh, so please can you come and check? This is Shabbos on, on a Shabbos. Mm-hmm. So the lady who answered the phone, or the man, I don't even know who answered the phone, said, um, is he in pain? No, no, he's fine. So, is, so what, what's your problem? But maybe he burnt his hand. Now, we're in a big dilemma when we get a call like that, because what do you do? Do you go? Do you get all blue lights blazing and go there, because maybe he has burnt his hand? Or do you say, if he's not really in pain, then... No, we have lots of ignorant people out there, lots of ignorant mothers and ignorant fathers. Ignorant in all sense of the word. They're ignorant in the sense of Hilfa Shabbos, but they're also ignorant in the sense of what's called dangerous and what's not called dangerous. So, it's a child, yeah. So, uh, in the end, we managed to get somebody to walk around the corner because the, the controller didn't think that this was really the uh, Nefesh. And uh, we are the... Uh, asked him afterwards what was going on. He said, he got in there and the lady was sitting in the armchair reading the Hamidiyah and the child was sitting, uh, playing on the floor. Evidently it wasn't a serious case of the Kohanefesh. And yet this woman picked up the phone on Shabbos to call that solid, expecting two people to come driving, uh, another two people to come in an ambulance. For what? For something that's pure ignorance. Now had this woman actually gone to a shir where she'd learned the halachas of Rafur on Shabbos, she would have known that there's absolutely no excuse to call in that scenario. On the other hand, we sometimes get people who, who have chest pains and they're not sure maybe it's just uh, indigestion, maybe it's not indigestion, very hard to know. 
So they, they err on the side, side of caution when really they should be turning around and saying, well, this could be a case of the Kraft Nefesh, I must pick up the phone and they, that's, let them come and let them work it out and make them do the, the ECGs, etc. and they'll see that there's nothing wrong with the heart and then you can relax. But mm-hmm. not knowing what's the Kraft Nefesh and when you're allowed to call, when you're not allowed to call, can really be the cause for Chil Shabbos and Chasr Shalom the opposite, can be the cause for a, a, a life-threatening situation. So these are halachas that one really needs to know. I will try next in the next year. I brought my this book along, a very nice book from Rabbi Bodner, where he goes through tens and tens and tens of different practical scenarios, and we'll try and do that for the next year, which is the last year before the Pesach year, just to get you worried. Um, in two weeks' time, we'll try and go through the different the different scenarios and whether they are which category they fit into. But this week, we'll just talk generally, and, and in the general discussion, we'll come across situations that you might have come across over a Shabbos and other situations that you might not have come across. But let's get it clear. Pikach Nefesh means Pikach Nefesh means a situation which is a threat to life. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a situation which is a threat to life. If it's definitely not a threat to life, then we're not in this category at all. Then we're back into the category of the previous year, of a choyla, of an ill person who's incapacitated, but not a threat to life. We are talking about somebody who is a threat to life. A situation which is a threat to life. A threat to life doesn't have to be a definite threat to life. It can be only a chance of a threat to life. But even a chance of a threat to life is something that you need to take care of on Shabbos immediately. We'll discuss it immediately a bit later. But that's something which Shabbos gets pushed aside. We have a halacha that the Chaybahem, Torah was given to live by, Torah wasn't given to die by, we're not supposed to die by Torah. We, we, we're not, we don't believe in, in dying because we need to keep the Torah, except for the three cardinal sins. Our job is to live keeping Torah, therefore Shabbos gets pushed aside when the threat to life is a possibility. A possibility of a threat to life, Shabbos gets pushed aside. If a non-Jew, a non-Jewish doctor says that this situation is a threat to life, that's already enough for us. We don't need to start worrying about the non-Jew who doesn't know what Shabbos is, doesn't understand the Hashivas of Shabbos, doesn't know what it means to be Mechal Shabbos. We don't care about that. If a doctor says there's an element of threat to this person's life when in the situation that this person has found themselves in, that's already enough for us to be Mechal Shabbos. Mechal Shabbos means we can be Mechal Shabbos. And we'll discuss the details uh, a bit in, a, in a few moments. Sorry. No, 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 you're, you're doing a mitzvah direction, you're doing an unbelievable mitzvah. The Shulchan says, the faster you get there, the better, the faster you, 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 you machal Shabbos, the better. But we will discuss with clarity when you're allowed to machal Shabbos, when not. It's not so black and white, I'm just giving you the general picture. If it's a very, very far-fetched chance of a, a threat to life, the, in, you know, a person can have the flu, and the flu can also be a threat to life. Sometimes a flu can really be a threat to life, but most cases of a flu is a very, 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 very far-fetched chance of there being a threat to life. Uh, a person who's healthy and doesn't have any other symptoms is rare. It can happen. You will read in your in your mishpachas and your aims and the way they like to scaremonger you and get you really worried. You will read that people who had the flu and nearly died and botched them their lives now to tell the story, and that's why the print is in the aims, but or the ami or whatever it is. But it's rare, it's very rare to say that an average healthy person who gets the flu is a risk to life. If the flu deteriorates to the point that there's an element of risk, then of course, that's called a risk to life. But an average person with the flu is considered incapacitated. We wouldn't consider that a threat to life. Though, any doctor will tell you, yes, take the flu jab, because every, every person who gets the flu, there's an element of risk, an element of threat to his life. But that, we, we would consider that, mind you, a very small risk. Too small to even be considered a real risk, even for shops. If somebody's in a situation of a threat to life and they are not 
able to be saved their life can't be saved but you can actually give them a few more minutes a few more hours of life that's enough to be Mechal Shabbos it would be Mechal Shabbos just to add minutes, hours, a Chayishah just add a small amount of life to this person's um, to this person who's ill that would be enough to be Mechal Shabbos Chilul Shabbos does not need to be to save him as a to re- so he should, he should recover irrelevant if there's a chance to save him for a few minutes that's enough that's actually a very difficult one to know because it's very hard to know when you can when you can actually save a person when a solo member turns up on, on, on a scene they're very rare to hear oh this person hasn't got much chance to survive also. they would never say that because they wouldn't know so for a solo member it would be almost definitely do everything you can to save this person for a doctor who's, who's a, bit more, a little bit more or a real paramedic who's, who's gone through the, the, the the, the three different three different levels, the four different levels of, of training. Maybe they'll be able to assess that this person doesn't have much chance to live, and they are trained to assess that because when they have to go to a, to a to a an accident, a multi a, a multi casualty scenario, then they have to, they are trained to know which ones to go for, which ones not to go for. Which actually, when it comes to halacha, is very very different. In halacha, we don't triage the same way as we triage in 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 modern world. We triage completely different. We have a lot of the nearest one to you, uh, the nearest ill person. Even if that person is not going to survive longer, and the one a bit further away might survive longer, you have to do the nearest one. It's not a straightforward system. Triaging in, Ju- in, in Jewish law is different to the triaging in, in, uh, in non-Jewish law. But I'll on him. Even if it's only a element of minutes that you can actually save this person, Kill Shabbos is pushed aside, and you're allowed to save that person. If somebody's trying to kill themselves, unfortunately, this is something that we do have. Uh, we do come across every so often somebody is trying to commit suicide you are obligated on Shabbos to be Michal Shabbos for that person despite the fact that that person does not want to live it makes no slightly bit of difference you are obligated to save that person's life you, you, you have the same obligation as you have with any other person a fetus or an embryo uh, irrelevant at what stage that the fetus is whether it's uh, even with less than 40 days where we consider it uh, not even a, 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 a a real fetus, it's, it's, I don't know, it has some English name, what do they call it in English? It's got some English name to it, I don't know exactly, but we would still be Mechal Shabbos for a fetus, even though the fetus is not a living being as such, it's not an active living being, we would be Mechal Shabbos for it, because we have a rule, Mutter Shechal Shabbos Achat, Kadei Lekayim Kama Shabbos is, better to be Mechal one Shabbos for this fetus, so that this fetus can then be born and grow and keep many many Shabbosses so we are adding more Shabbosses to to the Kiyom Shabbos rather than detracting from Shabbos we're actually adding to Shabbos rather than detracting by being Mechal Shabbos for this uh, over for this fetus you, we often have and this is something which is quite common you can often have a Chayla a, a sick person who at this stage of the game today now is not in, in a, a threat of life but if you wait to treat this person till after Shabbos then the threat of life will be increased and the ability to treat will be much harder then we are allowed to be Mechal Shabbos today because we consider this person today a threat to life the, the sickness, the illness that this person has today is considered a threat to life if a person is in a, a situation where the illness will get worse and post Shabbos will be harder to treat then you are allowed to be Mechal Shabbos today on Shabbos to try and prevent that situation and also if a person is in a situation where he's not in a, a, we wouldn't call him a threat to life but there's a possibility that at any point in time that situation can change and become a threat to life 
at that point we will also not, well not when it changes, now before it changes we will consider them already a chayla this is something which is a very interesting halacha because we've already discussed this um, regarding teeth and we find this today a, per, a, a person who has a, a very bad abscess uh, an abscess can actually spread a uh, tooth abscess can spread to the throat and it can spread all the way down to the heart it can cause a, a fixation it can, it can really cause trouble so a tooth abscess in its own right is not a danger to life but there, there are times when a tooth abscess will spread if it's not looked after and not treated soon enough. And if, if you are at that time on Shabbos where there's a risk that it might spread, even though at the moment you're fine, you just have a bad toothache, it's awful, but you're not a risk to life. But it could spread and become a risk to life. That's already considered a risk to life when you've got to treat it on Shabbos. You would, you'd be allowed to go to a doctor, you would have to get antibiotics, you would have to, to walk to the shop, buy the antibiotics, bring it home and, and supply and give and administer the antibiotics to the patient because there's an element of risk that this abscess could spread and become a risk to life. So that's just a scenario where you wouldn't even dream there's an element of risk to life here, but there really is a risk to life. There are many people, unfortunately, who have suffered from serious heart conditions due to toothaches, not due to anything else. The Chazal tell us that a tooth is considered a, 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 serious, a serious illness. We find sometimes that a, a somebody who's unwell, you have a, a sick person who's unwell, and extra pressure could actually trigger that the sickness should turn into something life-threatening. Or if it's a life-threatening illness, the certain scenarios would, uh, would create extra pressure on the patient, and therefore that patient, mm, there's an element of risk that that patient will will die earlier than they would have otherwise. So for an example, we have an, an elderly patient in, in hospital and there's no family member there. Would we be allowed to send a family member on Shabbos to down to the hospital to accompany and keep, keep, keep the patient company to, so that the, the spirits of the, of the patient is, it doesn't fall, it doesn't drop, and therefore the will to live is, is a little bit greater? And the answer to that is if the situation is such that that extra stress is, uh, could be, doesn't have to be, could be uh, a risk to life or could help removing that stress, could help in the removal of the element of risk to life, then we've been with Shabbos that as well. Many times I've sent people on a Shabbos down to a hospital uh, to sit at the bedside of, of a young child or the bedside of an elderly patient. But you know what? It could even be any patient, depending on the situation. If one's got to assess the situation, and, and being there can be a, a, a big help to them. Uh, just one other point sometimes, having a relative at the bedside of somebody who's not well in hospital actually helps the doctors look after them better and enables the, there to be communication with the doctors. And that can also be a, a, a situation of life-saving when it comes to this ill person. So yes, having, sending people down there is definitely a, an element of the Koch Nefesh which would be Mechal Shabbos, but it doesn't have to be that scenario. Any level of stress. A Chayla who's finding the light impossible, you know, needs the light switched off, there's no non jew to switch the light off, and if he doesn't have the light switched off, he won't be able to sleep. And if he doesn't sleep, that's going to de- his situation could deteriorate, etc., etc. That would be, you would be allowed to switch the light off if it was necessary. So there can be any situation of stress, whatever that stress may be. If that stress is life threatening, then you're allowed to Mechal Shabbos. There are opinions who hold that even if it's not, an actual cause of life, of the threat to life. But a, a sick person who's in a situation of a threat to life, then even if it just makes it more comfortable, even if it doesn't help, definitely it's not going to help the situation at all. It's not going to make it less life-threatening. Well, still a lot of new call shamans, but we don't pass now that. 
we do in certain scenarios, but ideally we don't, we don't go down that route, and we only try to alleviate pressure, external disturbances, if those disturbances are directly going to affect his life or enhance his ability to live. Anything that... discuss a bit later, we will discuss a bit later, but it's, you know, if, if the patient needs somebody there the whole time, um, and, and uh, the person, you know, the, the coordination wasn't good, and, and they wasn't pre-arranged for Shabbos, there are scenarios where we end up having to send people down, or if a patient goes in a Shabbos. If a patient goes in a Shabbos, you can always accompany a patient. One patient, somebody can always accompany a patient into the hospital Shabbos, and should, because it's extremely important. How can we, as lay people, if we are in, in a situation where it's, like you say, there's a possibility that it's... In the moment you think there's a possibility, you're allowed to have a chance. how far are we capable of judging? You, you're not capable. So if the doctor's not there and there's no one there, then you have to make a call. And it doesn't matter. If you made the call because you thought there's a risk, that's fine. And if in hindsight it doesn't... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Serious, doesn't matter. We, no, not at all. Because you did it because of a cock and We have that every single week. Uh, the Hatsala go out. 50% of the time it's not for cock and on Fifty percent. I would probably be. I'm being nice now. Probably seventy percent of the time. People are very, very quick to call Hatzalah and Shabbos without thinking through what they're actually doing. But I don't want to ever to say to them, don't. And it's very hard to know when you should call, when you shouldn't call. So the rule of thumb, if you want a rule of thumb, when to call Hatzalah or not to call Hatzalah, is what would you do if it was weekday? If it was a weekday, what would you do? If you would just call a taxi and go into the hospital on your own without panicking, etc., then you have no right to call Hatzalah and Shabbos. Call a taxi, go into the hospital. You uh, should only be calling Hatsal and Shabbos if in the weekday you would be calling an emergency number. Then you can call Hatsal. So if a child goes through a, a panic attack or something, which on the weekday you would panic and call uh, and, and, and call Hatsal call or call the ambulance, etc., then do that on Shabbos as well. But don't use them, don't call them for, for every uh, small ailment that comes up on a Shabbos. That is not necessary. But that's the simplest rule of thumb. It's not completely foolproof, but it's the best rule of thumb that we can give you. So it's something that Rishnam Zalman put, put down as, as a, a suggestion of a rule for when to call on Shabbos in emergency, when not to call on Shabbos. And, the, and it's, it's, it's quite a good rule. If in the weekday you would take this seriously enough to actually call the emergency, then call them on Shabbos as well. If in the weekday you would delay it, spend a bit of time, make sure you get a taxi, and go, go and go make sure your phone's charged, and then etc. etc. then don't call us on Shabbos. Why? Why? When you're in a situation of Pikach Nefesh, if you ever come across a situation of Pikach Nefesh, then do everything yourself. If it's a, a real immediate Pikach Nefesh, a situation of immediate Pikach Nefesh, don't delay, don't do any shinuyim. If you're in a home and there's a risk of somebody having a heart attack, you pick out that phone and you dial up probably immediately. Without any delays, without any shinu, you don't ask for a non-Jew, you don't try to find a way that to do it easily. If you feel that there's a situation here which could be a risk to life, um, a, a person who's unwell and, and deteriorates suddenly 
any, any situation like that, or a sudden terrible internal pain, all these are, are serious risks to life. Pick out the phone immediately. Don't ask an Andrew. Don't do any shinoom. Don't start using your knuckle to dial. Pick out the phone and dial straight. There's no chil shabbos. The quicker you get there, the better you, the better off you are. We don't allow Hatzalah to 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 ask an Andrew to do anything until they're sure that it's not the clock Until they're sure it's not the clock However, there are situations, there are situations which which are which are life threatening, but they're not immediately life threatening. So I'll give an example. A, a child who who uh, catches a finger in, in the door and it's a severed finger. Now, the doctor will tell you the severed finger could easily be life-threatening. This is a common, uh, by the way, a quite a common, unfortunately, quite a common scenario. Uh, kids do not know that they're not allowed to play with doors. And modern doors are huge, big doors and glass doors and, and, and heavy doors. Uh, unfortunately, that's how it is. But, Barbershem today, you can take them to hospital and they put them back and everything's fine. It, it's, it's rarely a, a long-term d- Stability, if you want to call it that. But is it life-threatening? Now, it, it, the, the condition itself is not life-threatening. It could could bring to serious infection, and that infection is very possible, very plausible, because you've got a very serious open wound here. So that there's, there's a very good chance, the likelihood of infection. But that infection is not going to happen now. It's not going to happen in the next five minutes. It's not going to happen in the next ten minutes. It may happen over two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours. There's, an op- there's a chance, and that chance, and once uh, infection gets into the bloodstream, that's already a risk to life. So you have a situation here where there is an element of risk to life, but it's not immediate. Then we say to them, you're not allowed to mechal shabbos anymore, or at least you're allowed to mechal shabbos, but only with a shinuk. Don't do it. Do it carefully. If you can get a non-Jew to do it, you get a non-Jew to do it. So in those situations, we wouldn't allow our solemn members to drive an ambulance to, to the hospital. We'd make them either let the non-Jew, we have, we have two non-Jewish drivers, either the non-Jewish driver will drive without a blue light, because he's not allowed to drive in a blue light, or we'll take a taxi with a Hatzalah member, of course, with two Hatzalah members they'd go with to make sure everything's okay, but we wouldn't allow them to drive. But we would insist that they go into hospital immediately, because there is an element of risk to life here. So you have to assess the situation. A layman won't know the difference, call Hatzalah, no question about it. There's a seventh finger, you call Hatzalah, because there is a chance there could be a risk to life. Could have, it could have, uh, uh, you know, there could be uh, some some sort of shock, and there could be there could be many other side issues that arise from a situation like that, which could cause and create a real element of risk to life immediately. But the asylum member will come and see that this is not the immediate risk to life. We will then downgrade it to a pikuach nefesh, which we call which is enoy boho, which is not immediate. And then we ready, we do, we will make sure that everything is sorted out, and we will treat the patient, but we will do everything with a shinui, we will ask the non to press all the buttons if necessary, so all the tests, every time you come to a, to a, a call, you have to do all the observations, everything will be done by the non he'll press a button, he'll etc, etc, and if there's no non there, then they will do all kilachi out, uh, they won't be, able to, won't be allowed to write the, the, the forms, because that's already malacha deraisa, it's not kilach nefesh, if they're going in on the blue light, they just write all the forms themselves, get everything ready, so as soon as you come in there, you're ready to, to, be, to be treated, uh, not, not to delay a moment, but if they, we don't have to write the forms, we can get the non to write the forms, etc, etc, so the, 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 it, it downplays it from the immediate kilach nefesh to a kilach nefesh, which isn't immediate, ready, slightly different category. And, and the approach has to be different. But uh, for the average layman in the house who has no idea whether this is really a nefesh or not a nefesh, just go for it. Don't delay. No, no shinoyim, no non-Jews, no none whatsoever. As I mentioned here, we had the gentleman knocking my door. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, the, the daughter just walked through a glass door. 
this is just walked through a glass door. And I was like three minutes around the corner. I, I really went mad with him. I said, how on earth can you walk around the corner? Why don't you call out Salah? He didn't know if he should or he shouldn't. I said, well, I'm sorry. That's what the Shofar was talking about. I mean, I didn't say that to him then, but I just told him to pick up the phone and call that Salah straight away. But that's what the Shofar was talking about. The risk of walking through a glass door is huge. Baruch Hashem, she was fine. She was a little girl. She was absolutely fine. She had just superficial cuts. But a cup can be superficial and a cut can be... It can be loads of blood. But it doesn't. It can be superficial. It can be a little bit of blood, and it can be a real deep wound, which is which is uh, you know, a deep wound is, is is serious. Can be very serious. You can't take risks. So your immediate reaction to a situation and that should be call that solid. When that solid come round, they'll assess whether this is kochnefesh or isn't kochnefesh. If you're you're in a situation where you have an, an ill person in the house. Uh, we shouldn't have such a thing but and you know there's a risk that maybe the situation will deteriorate and there could be an element of Chil Shabbos needed you might need to call that solid and prepare before Shabbos as much as you can minimize what you can before you actually Mechal Shabbos on Shabbos so for example a Hatzalah member we tell them you might get called out on Shabbos you're going to be driving your car make sure your radio is switched off make sure your lights are switched off uh, the internal lights uh, minimize the amount of Chilash Shabbos you're going to be doing. You, yes, when you're in there, you're allowed to be Mechal Shabbos. And if you didn't turn your lights off, it doesn't matter, still go. <coughs> so don't drive down Gold's Green Road with your music blaring because you forgot to take, not because I'm worried about people listening, hearing and looking at it, but because minimize the amount of Chilash Shabbos. If you tell me you drive better with your music on, then leave the music on. Because I want you to get there as fast as possible. I want you to get there safely and as quick as you can. But most people don't drive better when the music music's on. They usually drive a little bit more careless when the music is on. Minimize what you can, as, as much as you can, minimize the amount of cold showers. The same is in a situation of somebody with an ill person in the house. Put in the numbers in the telephone, so you don't have to press one number, etc., etc. Try and minimize the chil showers. Prepare for showers if you're in a situation where chil showers might be needed. So if a person is in a situation of which seems to be an emergency. What may you do and what should you do? So the first thing is you can pick up the phone to call the emergency service. You can call, you call that solo, you can call 999, whatever's necessary, you call. Don't worry about, about the malak of the telephone, 100% no problem at all. You can drive to a hospital if necessary, and we're here in London, you, you, you shouldn't be necessary, because that solo will be with you in two or three minutes and they'll take you to the hospital. But if you're and we're on holiday, and you need to get to the hospital, you drive to the hospital. Now, I'm not going to go through the detail of how you drive, because you drive normally, there is a little bit of a problem when you get there. Because getting out of the car and um, switching off the, 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 the engine and parking the car is a little bit complicated. It's different, because they have to do that, because otherwise they won't be allowed to drive the next time. So that's a different situation. For the average person, it might cost them 50 pounds for a fine, for leaving this car in, 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 in a set in, in a... In the rock, not in the parking bay, or you might have to call the, the security guard and ask him to Burmese if you can. Some people say even Burmese you shouldn't um, ask him if you can just put the car aside for you because you're not allowed to do it because it's Shabbos. But leaving that aside, you, if you need to drive to the hospital of Shabbos, you need to get to the hospital, you drive to the hospital of Shabbos. It's an awful feeling, but you have to do it. They all say, they all say to me that, I remember, the first time they drive on a Shabbos, it's like, it's horrible. And I say to them, what do you mean it's horrible? It's fantastic. You're a huge mitzvah. is an unbelievable mitzvah. You can accompany somebody to the hospital if, if they're going with the emergency services. Uh, definitely uh, one person at least can accompany whatever's needed for the, the, the ill person. You can drive a relative who 
wasn't there at the time, say a child going in, etc. You can take a relative, get another car to, to, to drive a relative and make, get them into the hospital, etc. If somebody's going in for childbirth, they can ask the, the midwife or a, a, a uh, what they call it again? The birth, birth coach, sorry, uh, to, to go with them, etc. When you get into hospital, you need to sign admission papers. You can sign your admission papers, whatever is needed, so that they should treat you can do. Once you've signed what's needed to be treated, the rest you should refuse to sign and let them do it. There isn't any other signatures. But when you come in an emergency, you do need to sign. You do need to sign sometimes the paperwork. And, and if you're in hospital and they say, we want to give you an operation, and please can you sign, otherwise we can't operate, sign. Sign using your right hand, your normal pen, and just sign. Because if they, they come to you and say, it's an emergency operation, you don't want me, that's the cross message, you jolly well sign. The level of care that's needed for a chayla who is a chayla masukan, who is a pikach nefesh, is irrelevant. You just give whatever's needed. So if you, you need to go and buy medicine, you go and buy medicine. You drive to the to the chemist, and you drive back from the chemist, so you can get the medicine down that person. So if it's, if it's a, a antibiotic which is needed, immediately you don't don't waste time. You can drive to the chemist, you can drive back from the chemist, and you administer that medication without any. Shinuyim, nothing, you just do it as quick as you can. If it's something that can be delayed, then fine. Then, as we said before, something which is not immediate, you, you, you don't need to, um, you, you can do it with a shinuyim, etc., etc. So an operation that isn't... Um, a planned operation. It's not a general, it has to be done within a few minutes, but it's um, something that they will do in half an hour time, or even in terms of time. If you have time to... Then do, then sure do, sure, sure do with the shimmer, sure, sure, sure. If it's not emergency, but, uh, for, for example, the case of an emergency operation would be a, a, a woman after childbirth and there's some blood clotting, which is, uh, and she's hemorrhaging. So they're going to take her into theatre in, in minutes. You haven't got time to muck around. You just sign the paper. You don't wait. You just sign that paper. I, I, again, a person has to use their, a little bit of safer, but unfortunately it's not, uh, not something that, that, that's, that's uh, a common commodity, I'm afraid. People panic. I'm being a bit harsh. People do panic, and they, they go into panic mode, and we're very elachid, and we're scared about Shabbos. Because nefesh is Shabbos is shouldn't really be an issue. If a person is a chayim and he's an unwell person to the state that he's in danger of his life, then reducing pain, even though we're not actually treating the illness, reducing pain is already considered enough to be mechal Shabbos because pain will affect. The, the, the unwell person's ability to recover. Pain stops the person from recovering. So if we need to administer some sort of medication and do some locker in order to help that pain ease, you're allowed to do that as well. <coughs> when, the, when you're looking after a person who's unwell and you're dealing with them, particularly if you're a prince and have solemn member, you come into the room, the room's all dark, so you can't see what you're doing, just switch on the light. If it's too, too light and you can't see what you're doing, switch off the light. Whatever's needed to enable you to look after that patient, even if it's not directly relevant to the patient, but it's indirectly relevant, as we said, switching off the light, switching on the light, etc., air conditioning on, air conditioning off, if these are relevant to the ability, your ability, or for the patient's ability to receive treatment, then that can be done on Shabbos without any shinum at all. Just go straight for it and don't try and delay. Don't try and delay. I'm going to run through a few scenarios of 
what would be considered life trapping not, not, not specific scenarios a bit more general and then I brought the book along to read you out a list of what is considered life threatening today so you should just get an understanding of, of what's considered life threatening so first of all you have to understand the injury, internal injury any internal injury is considered life threatening so any acute internal pain whether the pain is heart, kidney, liver, lungs, prostate, stomach, appendix, bladder, brain, you, you name it and I've, I've only told you a few things that are internal there's loads of them any internal pain is considered immediate any internal pain any acute internal pain the person has a, a slight stomachache that's not the cross message but if, if they have a really really acute stomachache which is really sudden onset and there's this very acute stomach and he can't doesn't have any explanation to it then there's, there's a risk it could be appendicitis it could be could be uh, something serious it could be a a, 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 a an internal bleed Anything like that is considered the cross method, you just call that solar and get into hospital faster again. We did discuss here a person has the stones, kidney stones, which kidney if you get a pain from kidney stones, that's an acute internal pain. And you should be calling that solar for it. But if you've had it recurring and you know exactly the symptoms, you know you know what it is, and you know where it's coming from, and every time you go into hospital they just say to you, here's some painkillers and they smile and then they're very good to you and then they send you home again, then you know exactly what it is, then that's not called a, an acute pain that's it's very painful and if you can't reduce that pain yourself then go to hospital because you can't allow yourself to have that level of pain for a long period of time without taking painkillers to reduce the pain that is life threatening in itself but if you know how to deal with it etc etc then of course you don't go and you won't be Michal Shabbos but any acute pain any internal injury straight into to hospital any trauma a trauma means a, a, a hard blow to the head or, or an accident or knife wounds etc any trauma whether it's a, a trauma of a wound or just a, a hard blow or being involved in an action of Hashem, these are all considered life-threatening until you've been cleared from uh, any risk to life you are considered life-threatening and off you go you go into you go straight into hospital you call that solid and they'll take you in any chronic condition of the, any of the above is considered life-threatening. So if somebody has a chronic uh, heart disease or kidney disease or or any uh, illness which is life-threatening, they are considered life-threatening. And as soon as there's a, a recurrence of that condition or uh, some risk that the condition is recurring, then you call that solid, you go straight into hospital, you do what you can to get as fast as you can. External wounds is not, are not usually considered life-threatening. But even then, that's not a, a unwritten, that's not a general rule. If an external wound which is bleeding profusely, that means you've hit an artery, then Jodhra will call that solid fast. If, if the wound is really deep, so a child, it can happen a child playing around with a knife and there's a really deep wound, that could be considered already a, a risk to life. So a, a plain wound is usually fine. But a really deep wound or, or, or a, a wound which is bleeding profusely, then those there can stick with external life threatening, and I would uh, definitely call that solid without a question. A, a, a bite of an animal. Now, in this country, there's no rabid animal, so we don't really have a risk to life from a rabid uh, a bite. But a bite from an animal in Etisrol uh, uh, could be a risk of, of rabies, and you should be going to hospital. Though it's not an immediately life threatening, if you only have two or three hours to spare. Uh, they don't have, you don't have, you don't have tens of hours to, 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 to play with. You only have a small amount of time, but you do get into hospital as quick as you can. Um, it might take time for them to find the, the vaccine for it, they might not have it in store, they might have to look for it, etc., etc. So you must get into hospital as quick as you can. A snake bite can be life-threatening. I remember once uh, walking, learning in a basement, 
Yerushalayim, just in my yeshiva, just on the top of the Chavli Shayol, and they came running in, there's a snake on the wall outside, around the corner, just around the corner, there's a snake, and they went and ran, running to Dr. Fisher's Achim, the Rocha, who did, just around the corner, and he said, just take a, a stick and kill it. And they went and uh, all the kids in Yerushalayim went to kill the snake. Uh, there was a snake lying, lying inside a wall in, in, in the middle of Yerushalayim. They do exist. Snakes can be found. Scorpions, etc., can be found, particularly in building sites. If you're living in an area where they're, they're building, then these are, are, are real risks to life. The question on a sting from a scorpion or a bite from a snake, just get down from as quick as you can. Psychological disorders are, can also be life-threatening. Um, depression, anxiety attacks, um, people who are psychotic, there's a, a real risk of suicide, there really is a risk of suicide. Uh, it's very hard for the layman to make, make that decision and make that call to know when it's not, to, when a person's suicidal, when they're not. Very often they can say they're suicidal and they're not, and often they, they won't talk about being suicidal and they really are. And this is, this is a real, real, real condition of, which is life-threatening. I've allowed people on Shabbos in these conditions to go on the bus. I know that if they go on the bus to, to I don't know, they saw one situation I had, there was a person who, who was struggling with serious psychological disorders, and the only thing that kept them sane was working in, in a charity shop, I don't know where it was, somewhere in Finchley. So I told them to go on a bus in Shabbos to Finchley, or take a taxi, I actually asked them to take a taxi, not to go on the bus. Take a taxi to Finchley and Shabbos, it's the clock Mephish. You stay at home all day, it's the clock Mephish. You have to get out, get out. If there's nothing that actually gives you the, the will to live other than that, then fine. Uh, we once had a, 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 a very sick, psychologically sick person in the Priory in, in uh, Southgate. Um, and I allowed people to go on showers in the car to visit them because, of course, a psychological person interacting with people is extremely, extremely important. And just because you're in hospital, you're not safe. You can commit suicide. We have had people in these situations of committed suicide in hospital. They don't even allow plastic spoons and forks and knives in the hospital room because the, the risk of suicide is so great. But it can happen. So the, to be alleviate the risk, wherever, in, wherever it takes, one can be Mahal Shabbos. They are serious Pekoknafi situations. Don't for a moment think that psychological disorders are not serious Pekoknafi. They are serious Pekoknafi. A, a childbirth, as Mrs. Walensky will be able to tell you, childbirth is definitely considered life-threatening. We consider every situation of childbirth life-threatening. So when, as soon as a, a woman goes into labor, there is an element of risk to her life. It's not immediate, because she's only having contractions every 15 minutes, so it's not immediate. So then you can take your time, you can call, if you need to call, you can call Kalachiyad, etc., etc. But when it gets to the point that you need to go into hospital, it's life-threatening. You're allowed to pick up the phone and call the ambulance or take a taxi, depending on how early it is. You can call your birth coach, you can call your mother if you need to call your mother, or whatever it is, whatever is necessary for you to go into hospital, for, for, the, for the birth of that child, you can do that on Shabbos too, because childbirth is a life-threatening situation. The fact that very, very, very few people are ever at any risk to life in childbirth <coughs> is irrelevant. Childbirth is a risk to life. Um, you, if you sit in the hospital over a period of a day, the amount of times they press the red button during childbirth, it's, quite, it's actually quite staggering. It, it does happen quite often. We, we are very medically advanced, so Baruch Hashem, 99% of the situation, 99.9% of the situations, they will be able to get by and, and remove the elements of risk, but childbirth is a risk to life, there's no question about it. We even consider a woman after birth, for the first few days, to be considered a chaylish yesh and in certain situations, we allow you to mechal shavos, but again, that's not a situation which is immediate, there's no immediate risk to life, but she is a chaylish yesh 
fractures, certain fractures are also considered life-threatening. Um, in truth, a fracture, a, a normal bone fracture is not considered life-threatening. It may be a sarcomus aver, which goes into the category of incapacitated, as we discussed in the previous year, but it's not directly a risk to life. But there are certain fractures which are a risk to life, and there's no layman who's actually be able, who will be able to tell you the difference between a fracture which is a risk, a risk to life and a fracture which isn't. Um, a protruding fracture, fracture is a risk to life. A, a thigh bone fracture is a risk, a risk to life. There are certain fractures which are considered a risk to life. If a fracture is near, near an artery, it could be a risk to life. So we as lay people are not really trained, we, we don't really are not able to tell the difference between a fracture which is a risk to life and a fracture which is not a risk to life. And therefore we would always suggest that if there's a, 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 a fracture, if a child comes in falling off a bike and there's an element of fracture there, then it's probably worth calling that solid because you just don't know if there's a real risk. They will then, ass- they, they will then assess and say there is a risk here, there isn't a risk, and if there isn't a risk they will ask the non to take you into hospital, etc., etc. Not when it comes to risk to life, not really. Not really. So I'm going to read you out the list that he's put together. It's probably not a, a extensive list, if I can find it. Um, it's probably not an extensive list, but it's a very interesting list anyway. Here we go. He's got a list as follows. And, and a phallatic shock. Now, that's actually quite... can actually happen quite... Uh, it, 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 it's a common appendicitis, a risk of life, deep cut or internal bleeding, bone fracture, thigh bone, uh, in, in bone inside the body cavity, open fracture, breathing difficulties, burns, severe burns, cancer, carbon monoxide poisoning, cellulitis, dehydration, if it's severe, diabetic attack. Now these are what we'll discuss next in the next year, some of these to try and see the signs, the differences in when they're already risked to life and when they're not. But a lot of these situations are risked to life. Uh, ear and head injury, if there's blood or fluid coming out of the ear, eye infections if it's severe, food poisoning, head injury, heart attack, heat stroke, hypothermia, meningitis, pneumonia, pregnancy if there's problems. I've had to send people in a Shabbos because of, because of problems if someone knocks on my door in the middle of a pregnancy and says, you know, my, my wife has started contractions or started bleeding, etc. We send them straight in, no, we don't take any risks. Uh, stomach pain if it's really severe, stroke or no a risk stroke of a stroke, urinary tract infection if it's severe, urinary tract infection though it doesn't seem to be serious but it can, be, can really be serious. It, one of the biggest proofs is that a urinary tract infection is often told by the state of mind of the patient. Very often people who have a urinary tract infection they lose the ability to, to, to fun- function uh, intellectually and that's because it really is a serious risk. Uh, it does affect the whole body and can be a risk to life. So there, I've run through just some of the risks to life. I have here a list of the back which we'll discuss in the next year. Oh, loads of a whole, a whole, how many pages? 50, 60 pages, maybe even more, of different, uh, different situations and methods of dealing with them and when you should call and when you shouldn't call. I'm just, just, I'm just running through. There we go. More than 50 pages. That's the amount of pages of just different situations discussing what to do on Shabbos or not to do on Shabbos. And I will take out the ones which are relevant and we'll discuss them the next year. But I hope that gives us a bit more of an understanding of what to do in a situation of the Koch Nefesh. You should never ever need to come to a situation of the Koch Nefesh. You should always be, uh, comes to Shabbos at any time of the week. We should always, always be able to live our lives without any illness and without any sickness, without needing to. But let's be real, that sickness and illness and 
if the Kochanet is just something which is part and parcel of life, uh, part and parcel of living in, in, in the world that we live in, and therefore we need to be aware of what to do when, Chas Shalom, if we do encounter a situation like that. If we're aware, then we'll know when to call and when not to call. And that way we won't be Chas Shalom necessarily, but at the same time we won't Chas Shalom for anybody's life. And any, even the minutest element of risk, uh, unnecessarily. And the Gracious should give us the running that running out of time, should give us the that we should only have good health and presume in every family versus Hashem. Two weeks' time will be Shir, and four weeks' time will be the pace of Shemitshah.